Hey, I'm Phil. And I'm Chris. We are two dads who share one simple goal, to be better fathers to our kids. That involves more time together with our families, more books, more movies, more board games, and most importantly, more meals together. And if we're going to spend more meals together, we need to be better cooks. So this is us trying to figure that out. Welcome to Dad's Kitchen. So Phil, I actually made a whiskey sour tonight in honor of you. And my favorite. Used an egg white. But I didn't how, actually how did feel like making any simple syrup. And so we subbed some maple syrup instead. And it was really good. It was it was really good. Do you feel like it changed the flavor much? Not overly so. It wasn't like, oh, I'm in Canada now. It was just, <laughs> it was nice. It was balanced. It was tasty. It was good. Oh, uh, Canada. I would, I would absolutely do that again. Did the syrup, like, dissolve okay? Oh, like, did yeah. It, did yeah, it yeah, kind yeah. of mix in with, okay. Yeah, no, it all incorporated really, really well. And, okay, question. How many times do you shake your whiskey sours? How many times? Yeah. Once. Oh, oh, I see what you mean. Um, no, I, I, I did it. I did it twice. Okay, so... Like the last time I made it, I did it twice. Okay. N- no ice, then ice? Uh, let me think about this. I think I did ice, then no ice. Okay. <laughs> I can't remember. One of them was definitely with ice, and one of them was without. No, no, it, you're, you're right. It was it was no ice, then ice. Yeah. Well, I think that, that first shaking without the ice allows you to mm-hmm. uh, incorporate the egg, obviously, the white. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Honestly, when I looked at it after that, there wasn't any like syrupy residue or anything, so I think it all incorporated... No, it was really good. It was. I do love a good whiskey sour. There, there's just something about the egg whites that make you look so beautiful. And I think we need more beauty in our lives, Chris. Yes, yes. We need to get away from these screens, and we need to we need to go outside and look out to the sky, and then make a whiskey sour. That's all you need. Well, and you need Dad's kitchen so that you can learn how to make them. We we did have kind of a fun little close to 2020 with that cocktails episode. I, I liked it. I think it was one of the more fun episodes that we've done, like just in terms of sheer enjoyment of recording the episode. I didn't make a Vukarai, though. I had one of those the other night. It was super good. I've been really curious about him. I actually got a text from a friend. His name is David. Really good dude. And the second that he heard we were talking about the Sazerac, he said he he had to pick up his phone and text me (laughs) how excited he was because it's his favorite cocktail. Oh, it's one of mine. Like, oh, yeah, yeah it's super sassy. good. It's super good. So the reason that I sent that maple syrup in for the simple syrup, even though simple syrup is, like, pretty simple to make, was that I didn't really want to make it. And another thing that we've been actually kind of thinking about making lately is grenadine. Just because there have been several drinks that we've come across that actually use grenadine. There's one that Molly really wanted to try. It's grenadine and uh, St. Germain. And bourbon. Actually, it's like a whiskey sour uh, with St. Germain. And grenadines are sweet. So you ran down to the supermarket and you picked up some cherries to make your grenadine? I've always associated grenadine with Shirley Temples and just kind of like this, in my mind, it's just this sickly sweet cherry syrup. I don't really actually know the last time that I had it. And so Molly was actually looking it up and she said something about like, yeah... We just get some pomegranate juice and orange flower water and sugar and you like create this syrup. I was like, well, that sounds weird. Like, I don't know if I want pomegranate grenadine. <laughs> like a pomegranate flavored grenadine. Yeah. What? No, I just want regular flavored grenadine. And then, oh, I forgot. I forgot what I was doing. I was reading something else and it mentioned pomegranate. I was like, oh, geez. Like, I guess well, maybe that's a thing like happening pomegranate flavored <laughs> syrup and then i just had this moment you know you know those moments where like the world starts to spin a little bit it's like what 
and a long-held belief or ideal was challenged. Just totally, totally wrecked even. That's... Well, the world can't spin if it's flat, Chris. That's what I... Well, no, it's 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 just spinning on a different axis, Phil. Maybe maybe the world spins like a disc. Like a like a conveyor belt? <laughs> well, it's just moving that, through time? That just moves. It does that. It does that through that dimensionality of the space land. But uh, maybe it's just like, you know, it spins like a disc. Like, like, a, like a record. That'd be super fun. That's what Right <laughs> like Round is about. Like a Billy Idol album. Yeah. So I had one of those moments, Phil, when I read that grenadine is actually pomegranate. So so Shirley Temples are like pomegranate. That is nuts to me. I mean, absolute bananas talk. But yeah, then, then, I, then I looked it up as well after you shared that little bit of news with me. And I was like, surely he's wrong. Surely <laughs> Temple, he's wrong. Nope. Grenadine, pomegranates. Yeah. Who knew? Wow. Okay. I do really like the sweetness level, though, of grenadine. And, like, I'm not really one, like, super prone on sugar. Yeah. But I honestly don't know the last time I've um, had it. Maybe that's why I didn't realize that it was pomegranate and not cherry. Well, I got one for my daughter not too, too long ago uh, at a restaurant. Temple or just straight grenadine? Uh, sh- just a gr- gr- <laughs> yeah. grenadine meat. <laughs> exactly. I'll have a Shirley Temple hold the soda. Yeah, so I got, I got her a Shirley Temple and... It was delicious. Totally had a sip of hers. But no, the like the sweetness of it. Yes. It, it actually kind of made me think of this little thing called chocolate gravy. Oh, uh, well, no. Exactly. It's a thing. Is that like a southern thing? It, yeah. Basically just like a chocolate sauce. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah I think it's a southern I mean, thing. Okay. I, I mean, I, I haven't really seen it anywhere else, but it, it's kind of like a good biscuit topper. It's not the worst. And by that, I, I mean, it's actually the best thing ever. It's pretty tasty. But gravy, am I right? Yeah, yeah. So, well, so. so many great, it's, wonderful ways to make gravy. Funny. Chocolate not being the only. It's funny that you should mention gravy when you're talking about this chocolate sauce. Because we did say that we're going to do another sauces episode. Yeah, let's get saucy, Chris. <laughs> let's get super saucy. And I guess so that leads us today to velouté. Velouté. Which is obviously... Another one of the five French mother sauces, because that's that's yep. at least as of right now what this little series is covering. And honestly, I, without even knowing it, kind of like we talked about with bechamel, I made a velouté for Thanksgiving this last year. Yeah, like we've all been making this our whole lives. It's so easy, but nobody calls it by its name. And Chris, I, I, I want to be the first. I want to be the one to, to call it what it is. But yeah, it's it's pretty much... What a lot of gravies are. Not all gravies, Phil, but a lot of gravies. And it's definitely, mm-hmm. as are the rest of the mother sauces, like very much a base for a lot of other sauces. It's like a roux and a stock. That is pretty much how you make it. Yippers. It's that roux and stock. Lock, stock, and movies. We could just do a oh, movie podcast. Man, I love that movie. <laughs> Um, but yeah, uh, it, it is a super simple sauce. You take a fat and some flour, and in this case, that fat is probably going to be butter. Create a roux. Mm-hmm. Don't want to go overboard with the browning of that roux, because that changes the flavor and the color. Uh, a velouté is supposed to be like a very like light and smooth, silky sauce. Once you have that roux, you just slowly start adding in a stock. And typically, they're lighter stocks. Uh, things like a chicken stock or a fish stock. Those are those are kind of the more common ones. I guess last Thanksgiving I used a turkey stock. I don't know if I've ever had turkey stock. I don't 
think you would use a beef like stock, a beef? stock on this. I think that's okay. probably closer to like an Espanol, but the the velouté is is definitely a lighter blonde sauce. But yeah, that's that's kind of like the the super super quick of it in terms of how you make it. So you have that roux, you add your light stock in about a, like a half cup at a time while you're stirring it, and it thickens till this nice like smooth silky light sauce and then that sauce you can really use for so many other things kind of like a, a base for so many other sauces and and it, it can be used for so many other things which is kind of like the point of the the mother sauces in that they're yeah they're, it's a mother sauce, super yeah. foundational do you want to talk about rue super quick uh she's doing well she's actually really gotten into this <laughs> thing where she starts <laughs> digging under our deck sorry oh man right so this <laughs> has a dog named rue i do <laughs> I think I always thought it was a boy. No, no. She's she's not. She's a she. Not by choice, by, we'll see. by biology. I don't know. I haven't <laughs> asked her what she prefers. I think she prefers cuddles and scratches. Well, I, I was just kind of curious if if a roux is, is, is it always supposed to be the same? Or can you kind of adjust the the fat or the flour content based on your preference? Like Like if you want your velouté to be a little bit thicker. Is it okay to add a little more flour to the roux, or is that like a big no-no? I don't know. I've always seen a one-to-one ratio. Yeah, that's what I've seen too. But I, I'm just wondering if like if it's okay to do that. I don't know. I, I I don't think you need to necessarily. I think part of it comes from the reduction of the sauce itself, the and an increased level of thickness. And then the stock would reduce a little bit more than. A broth, obviously, right? I feel like that's that's another one of those things that could be just like a huge conversation. I have looked into it a bit, and sometimes you see like super big distinctions between stocks and broths, and then sometimes you don't. Like I was actually reading something that James Beard wrote, and he was saying that <clears throat> stocks and broths are exactly the same thing. There's like no distinguishing characteristic. But then, yeah, you hear, you hear other people talking about like a stock being more of the the like carcass with bones a broth being more like meat based so that the stock has more gelatin since it's got the bones well i'm not one to disagree with mr beard but i've definitely noticed that stocks will reduce more than broths so i don't know i mean maybe if all you have is broth then you then you kind of play with that roux a little bit i don't know sure okay so by itself the velouté can be served over mashed potatoes pretty much anything yes mashed potatoes sure you get your gravy pretty much maybe over some biscuits that's that's that phil (laughs) is an interesting interesting question Let's talk about biscuits and gravy. So here's the thing, Phil. For our last episode, I I did make some biscuits over the weekend, and I did make a gravy to go along with it. But I I dare say that that gravy was not a velouté. Pray tell. It was. I would say actually a bechamel, like more okay, more so yeah, in that I could family. See that. So like the like the white bechamel with like what cracked pepper probably. So the gravy that I made was, it was, again, super simple, like most of this. I made a, it was actually a a sage pork sausage gravy. Mm. And so obviously started out by cooking the sausage and you get a little bit of fat from that, but added more with some butter and then added flour to create that roux. Cooked that for just a little bit and then added milk. 
not a stock at that point. So that's, yeah, that's, that's why I'm thinking like bechamel. definitely bechamel. You know, let that uh, reduce down, do its thing, thicken up, and then add kind of the spices that make it more interesting. And it was really, really good. Super, super creamy. And as I was doing this, I was thinking about the this velouté episode and, and thinking that, oh, well, yeah, gravy is like a velouté. And totally, totally different. And it kind of comes down to like that addition to the roux being milk as opposed to a stock. And, you know, it created something that was very, very creamy. You can definitely get it thick. I guess I'm, I'm kind of thinking through or comparing it to, I don't know, like taste-wise, in your mind, like how would you compare the two? Like a bechamel gravy versus a, a velouté gravy. Well, the velouté would probably taste like meat a little bit. I mean, if you, you know... I guess if you're like a vegetable mm-hmm. stock, maybe not, but... Yeah, but I think I think so. I, I think you have a lot more savory, like a lot more umami flavor, I guess, where... Oh, that's a good way to say Like it. a bechamel is, is going to be creamy. You know, bechamel by itself is actually kind of flavorless. Yeah. No, it totally is. It's, it's a good base. Yeah. Again, like all of these, they're really bases for something else. It's something that right. like you use to make something else. I've run into so many sauces that uh, you can make from it. Is it a sauce that you've kind of experimented with much before this? I wouldn't say that I really experimented with it a whole lot. I mean, I've, I've made it, but again, like as the case of so many of these sauces, I didn't really know that that's what I was making specifically. So certainly not to the degree of experimentation now. So yeah, I, I can't say that I've really made a lot of the derivative sauces as much as I've looked into them. But honestly, looking into them, I want to make more sauces. I'm thinking about even like just what we had for dinner tonight is a very, very common thing for us. We... Chicken thigh? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Roasted. Just kind of... <laughs> Threw all of that on a baking sheet. Some red potatoes, some sweet potatoes, some red onions. Some fennel. Uh, We actually didn't have fennel around, but like those three vegetables. Oven while I was making my biscuits because time and all of that. And I was thinking that even just a dish like that, one of these sauces could really kind of enhance and elevate quite a bit. I mean, there are so many sauces that you can make out of a velouté. And it's just like adding like a few simple things. Like one of them I came across was a Venetian, the terroine, shallots and um, (laughs) Cherville. And uh, there's like a white wine sauce you can make out of uh, a fish velouté. That sounds so good. It'd be like obviously that fish velouté is your base and then you're adding white wine, some type of like heavy cream or creme fraiche and, and lemon. And that kind of actually is, is a little bit of a common thing because there's another one, a, a supreme sauce, which is creme fraiche, lemon, and some type of like mushroom reduction. Yeah. And then like actually that supreme sauce is kind of interesting because there are so many other sauces that are derived from that. So yeah, it's, I guess like you might call it like a daughter sauce, but it's also sometimes called a second mm-hmm. mother sauce. I don't know. It feels like with some of these French sauces, it's just like sauce after sauce after sauce. It's like sauces all the way down. But the supreme sauce can be like a base for something called an Aurora sauce, which adds tomato. And that sounded really good. I feel like that on chicken would be amazing. So I don't even know where to go with all of that. It's you can come here. Saucy. You can saucy get saucy in my kitchen for my um, family. I don't think your kids want that. Oh man, that sounds so it's good. Garden for life. All the, all the, all the different sauces. And now you're a saucier, just like that. You didn't know you were one, but you are. That that kind of reminds me. This is so loosely related. Actually, it's not even related at all. But you mentioned tomatoes. And tonight for dinner, 
we were going to make some tacos. And a while back, I found this recipe that used tomato paste with ground beef. And it kind of like made this ground beef, you know, taco filling. Yeah. And we used it for a while and it was fine. And then tonight, I just decided as I was making it, I don't think I like ground beef anymore in a taco. I think I'm done with it. <laughs> and I mentioned it to Ashley and she's like, yeah, me too. Like, wh- like, why are we doing this? Yeah, I was going to ask why you. Why are we putting ground beef in tacos? That sucks. And then, so we're like, wh- wh- what else should we do? Well, like, what should we make with it tonight? Well, we actually had these, um, we had these leftovers from a Cuban restaurant in town. Okay. And that, that, uh, that we picked up and it was, it was pork because obviously Cuban restaurants and their pork. And there were some plantains with it. And we just like heated those up in a cast iron skillet and threw that in Ashley's delicious homemade tortillas that she made. And they were worlds better than any ground beef taco we, we ever would have had. So I'm done with the American ground beef taco. It's the worst. <laughs> That's kind of funny. I, I feel like I grew up with ground beef tacos, even though... We all did. Even though, like, even though my mom's Mexican, somehow ground beef tacos, I, I do believe, were a thing. And I... Don't know the last time I actually had one because I don't like them either. They're just so unimaginative. Okay, so yeah, like the the typical American like hard shell ground beef taco with like shredded lettuce and tomato and cheese. Oh, come on, right? Way personally more partial to more of like the street style taco, like smaller. I I actually okay maybe there are feelings attached to this or not, but I I very much like the mixed tortillas. So the flour and corn. Yeah. So good. Oh yeah. And then really after that, I very much prefer just to keep it simple. So like some type of meat and then some type of something else, some type of vegetable or cheese. Like fried plantain, for sure. example. Sure. I don't so know. Tasty. I guess I guess that's probably fine. You get like some interesting sweet savory thing going on. Salty stuff, mixtures, balancing food words. Okay, I'm gonna go out on a limb here. Bold statement. You ready for this? Okay. I think you can literally take any leftover meat aside from ground beef and put it in a taco and it's going to be delicious. Uh, Name a single meat that won't work that you would have. Uh, we have some... Like that you would have on hand. We have some uh, bourguignon. Are you kidding me? That would be the best. That'd be disgusting. Wine tacos? Chris, that'd be so good. <laughs> that sounds horrible. I mean, it, it might be an insult to the bourguignon, but... <laughs> okay. What else? What else? What else? Sounds <laughs> so bad. <laughs> we, we, we've been making bourguignon lately. Do you, do you prefer that or kukava? Uh, I don't know. I don't know if I have a preference. That that one is one of the ones that's up on our list next. Apparently, my uh, wife's aunt made like a kukava blanc which I don't think I've ever made. So I didn't know there was such a thing. Apparently, I guess. I don't know. Uh, them French people. I mean, white wine, chicken, sure, why not? Yeah, so I'm not sure. I, I like them both. I think it's a mood thing. Neither of them deserve to be in a taco. So you just brought up my second I'll meat. I'll be the judge of that. You brought up the second meat that doesn't belong. I, I do have to say <laughs> again that like I am super partial to various pork meats in tacos. So I think I think a carnitas taco can be done really, really well. I've had some fantastic ones. I think I've mentioned it before, but uh, cochinita pibil, so good. It's, it's more of like a southern or maybe even like a peninsula type thing. A little bit of Baja going on? Further south. Oh, okay. Um, like the Yucatan? Yeah. Okay, so the first time I had it was in Sacramento, and there was this just killer Mexican restaurant up there. But there's actually uh, one of the new seasons of uh, Chef's Table has a lady. She's down in Mexico. She's indigenous, though, and cochinita is what they make. Okay. That's one of my favorites. Pork. 
I think pork in tacos is the best, personally. I'd I'd fight somebody on that. El pastor, carnitas, cochinita, like yeah. Anything but ground beef. Or wine tacos. Dude, I would do a Cocovo taco. No. <laughs> I would take Julia Child's beef boof bourguignon and I'd put that taco. Especially with Ashley's tortillas. Shia. They're so tasty. Shia la boeuf bourguignon. There you go. Would you put him in a taco? (laughs) Is that some meat that you put in a taco? So saucy, huh? Definitely getting saucy over there, Phil. If there was ever a sauce that That we couldn't stay on track with, it's probably this one. That deserves to be on Shia LaBeouf. not a ton to say. Get a nice chocolate sauce on him. I feel like this could be our miscellaneous. I feel like it'd be more like a bechamel. Yeah, maybe. Like a really, really salty bechamel. Did you ever see Peanut Butter Falcon? I actually didn't, (sighs) no. That's a good one. Honestly, it... uh, I've been curious about it. It changed some of my views of the beef. Shy, okay. shy of the beef. So pretty safe to say I shouldn't share this episode with, with any future guests. We talk about yeah. the sauce. The sauce. So let's get saucy, Chris. Just keep your velouté off my tacos. Oh, 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 oh.